Welcome, everybody, to The Smug Buds tagline, the podcast where we explain everything to the geese. Season two. Woo! Tagline. Quote. It's like poetry, sort of. They rhyme. (laughs) Each stanza kind of rhymes with the last one. Unquote. M dash. George Lucas. My name is Will. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host and the Scarlet Witch of Amateur Podcasting, (laughs) Elizabeth Deanna Morris-Lakes. Hi, Liz. Hi, Will. I totally accept being Scarlet Witch, especially since her actress's name is also Elizabeth. That's right. Elizabeth Olsen. The the third Olsen twin. Yes, that's right. The third twin. Just just like uh, Andrew Wilson is the third Wilson twin. Yes, he is. And he actually has a BB in his hand. Actually, there's a funnier version, in my opinion, funnier version of that, where I say that Andrew Wilson is the third Owen Wilson brother. (laughs) (laughs) Which is something that I tweeted or maybe Facebook status when I learned that Andrew Wilson existed. Oh, my God. You do know that thing about his hand, though, right? Yeah, it's in um, Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, but that's like his thats his like cameo. He's a hand model in that movie. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he has a cameo as uh, one of the character's hands, a character he does not play. It's actually, it's actually I was going to say Ben Stein, Ben Stiller's mm-hmm. character's hand, right? Yes, I believe that's right. So he's not and even playing his own brother's hand. Has a BB stuck inside of it, which is inspired by... Andrew Wilson's real life hand Mm -hmm. having a real life BB stuck inside of it this is a podcast about the Royal Tenenbaums (laughs) oh god we're gonna have to have a Wes Anderson episode have we written that down yet uh no that's not in our spreadsheet but one day uh, inevitably we will have to talk about Wes Anderson but that's not what we're going to talk about today no it's not not any more than what we already did baby uh any updates before you Pull back the curtain and tell everyone what they already know from the title of the episode. And also if they listen to the mailbag episode and they probably could have gotten it from parts of season one, too. Uh, I don't think so. I think that I'm really stoked to be starting season two. And I think that we're going to start it off on the right foot. I agree completely. I, I will say one more thing about uh, this being season two of our podcast. Uh, have you watched uh, Atlanta uh, I watched the first season. Ah, so you didn't watch the second season. That is what that mm-hmm. means. <laughs> Which there have been two so far. And are are you aware that the second season of Atlanta has its own unique name? Uh, no, I the, did not know that the second season of Atlanta has its own unique name. What is it? The, the show is still called Atlanta, but season uh-huh. two of Atlanta is called Robin Season. Oh, okay. And in that same vein, I would submit to you that season two of the Smug Buds is called Allergy Season. <laughs> well, well, I also love how you and I will have these like large ideas for the podcast, joking or not, and we literally bring them up to each other before, like only when we're recording. Yeah, when we're on mic. I mean, <laughs> off mic, you know, we plan some logistics, you know, when are we going to record and what are we going to talk <laughs> mm-hmm. about? But yeah, like season to... one was cold season then. 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Season one was cold and flu season. <laughs> the Smug Bud season two colon allergy season is what we're in now because uh, we were recording this in mid-April. Mm-hmm. And we'll be releasing it in uh, probably early June. Yes, it's true. So hello from two months ago to the Goslings. It's probably real hot, but right now it's real mild. Well, probably real hot. How hot is it in Tucson today? It is mild. It got hot. Uh, We're recording this on a Saturday. Uh, Early in the week, it was getting up to 90, 95 degrees. Nice. But then just as a certain writer uh, swept into town, uh, things really uh, cooled down for the better. It's been a comfortable 75 to 80 degrees. Oh, weird. Okay. Wednesday through today, Saturday. So um, not ev- this week has not been 75 to 80 degrees, but today it is about 75 to 77 degrees outside. So it is the same temperature. Mm-hmm. We have uh, all well- of our windows open. We, we might as well be living in the same place. Might as well. But we're not. And uh, I am here in Tucson, Arizona. You're there in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And I call it allergy season because uh, I never, uh, almost never suffered from allergies growing up in New York. Really? And, uh, yeah. And ne- never really noticed them in school in Pennsylvania or Ohio. And then I moved to Arizona, and I think that this is kind of a common experience. Uh, transplants to Arizona just get hit with uh, allergies really badly. What are you allergic? Like, what is there? What's alive? Know. What's dying? I don't know. I've heard some some people say that there are, like, non-native plants that have been uh, propagated throughout the area, and they cause these problems. Things are blooming and pollinating, and I don't know. I, I, this is here. It's like every tree is a flower. Everything that fell off of the trees in the fall has been frozen and is now actively decomposing. This is an area that I know so little about. (laughs) I will just say that both, both plants and your own, your own maladies. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Especially plants, but both. Yes, absolutely. And also, I would just add, probably don't make any uh, sweeping assumptions about like what's blooming in the desert, Mm -hmm. because I think that there are a lot of things that are not necessarily supposed to be here, Uh, but they are still popular and widespread and, and affecting the ecosystem. The one thing I will say about Tucson, and then we can get into the, um, the pod, the main mm-hmm. pod is that yep. when I visited, I visited you once. And when I visited, I actually landed down in El Paso, Texas, drove to Las Cruces, New Mexico, where uh, a devotee of the pod, Sarah, lived at the time. And then we drove to Tucson. And um, I, no offense to that town, hated Las Cruces. Like, it felt very barren to me. The mountains were these, like, strange hills of dirt that reminded me of like very large construction like hills of dirt uh-huh. and um it was it was very dry of course but like it felt like the air was somehow like disconnected from the sun which humidity mm-hmm. does right humidity becomes the glue between the air and the sun uh-huh. and as soon as we rolled into tucson i was like 
this is my kind of desert. Yeah. <laughs> it was like there was like way more trees around. Like not trees, but like like tall. I mean trees, but like not like evergreens or something. There was like tall plants. There mm-hmm. were other plants. Mm-hmm. It was uh there just seemed to be a lot – it felt a lot more comfortable to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess that there are quite a few plants in Tucson that I'm maybe discounting and I shouldn't. Yeah, you should come back and you should take a sort of survey or inventory mm-hmm. uh, of the plant life. And uh, I will say that my experience is, is uh, more or less aligned with yours. I have visited Las Cruces. I've visited Albuquerque. I lived in Tempe for a little while before we moved to Tucson. And Tucson is the most comfortable place in the Southwest uh, that I've uh, experienced so far. Yeah. For a number of reasons, in a yeah. number of ways. Yes. And and uh, just nothing against the people of Las Cruces. That place just felt like a weird alien place to me. And I didn't understand it. And I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh and I was only there for a few days, but it was very disorienting. Um, I'm sure if you grew up there or uh, people might find a charm in that that I that I did not. Well, it's New Mexico, so it may be close enough to Area 51 that you were mm-hmm. picking up on some truly alien vibes. Which do you know what the the tagline for New Mexico is? The tagline for New Mexico. No, I would love to learn it, please. It's. You probably do know it, but I, maybe I'm describing it wrong because it's on the license plates. It's New Mexico is for lovers. The land of enchantment. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, what? Uh, <laughs> yes, to call that a tagline is perfectly acceptable. <laughs> I think that it may be the state motto. State motto. That's the word. Or perhaps a nickname. Yeah. I'm wondering because like I think the equal, equal one from Pennsylvania is, of course, the Keystone State. I think that's a nickname. Okay. I think uh, the motto might have something to do with independence. Oh, my God. I, like the, the land can, of independence or something like that? I can tell you a lot about Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, but not that. It, our state uh, drink is milk. Our state cookie is chocolate chip. Our state uh, um, plant is the mountain laurel. Um, I, I might our not state be... bird is the roofed grouse. And you're correct. Okay. It's virtue, liberty, and independence. That's the motto. That's the motto. And the Keystone State is the nickname. I might be not. I might not be using the right term, but I think every state has an official nickname. Uh-huh. Like I, I'm from New York, and I believe New York is the Empire State. Yes, it definitely is. And yes, and then the Keystone is State the, is, of course, yeah, the nickname. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a fun diversion. So, here's what. Here's the deal. Today, we already did it. Once, but we're doing it again. Going back to the well. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, Phase 2. This is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As long as I'm in charge. (laughs) Just to recap, in the Smug Buds, the cold and flu season, Episode 2, it was my first episode to dominate the conversation... And I set out to cover the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At the time, that was uh, 20 films, I believe, or maybe 19. You said 20. It was 20. And I spent a lot of time in the beginning uh, contextualizing my experience of these films by talking about my history with Marvel comic books and Marvel video games. 
And once we got into the movies, we covered the first six. That is Iron Man through Marvel's The Avengers uh, before uh, 90 minutes was up and we had to call it quits. And uh, fortunately for us, happily uh, enough, uh, those six movies together comprise uh, what is called phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Those are the six films that came out from when it began in 2008 to the first Avengers movie in 2012. And today we're going to cover phase two, which is the next six films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in a future season yet to be named, uh, we'll go on to uh, phase three and uh, someday phase four and for the rest of our lives, so on and so forth. Well, we did have some feedback from that, yeah. from two of let's, our friends. Let's get into that before we dive into phase two. So the first piece of feedback we had um, was from our friend Mike Jones, who I uh, had I tried to tell a story about his almond story and uh, got it sort of wrong, but got a lot of it right. Um, so this is what he texted me the day the episode came out. Mm-hmm. Liz, thanks for the shout out today. Here are some answers to Will's questions. Mm-hmm. which I won't recap because they'll just have the answers. My title was stage manager, mm. but I worked for the studio, not the production. So okay. it was a lot of safety type stuff, basically a glorified landlord. They sent me to Albuquerque Studios for a week to train, and I worked on the Avengers for the bulk of my time there. The other production on the lot was Breaking Bad. Very cool. You remembered the Almond story beautifully, but it didn't happen on the Avengers. Thank God, because I may have died of shame, actually. It happened on another production that shot in Pennsylvania called After Earth, the one with Will Smith and his son. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. I said, was it almonds? And he said, it was, chocolate covered. (laughs) (laughs) I said, wow, how is that the only thing I got right? And he said, I respect your priorities. And I said, was I right that you were there when they did the Tony Stark rig shots? And he said, yep, the rig looked kind of looked and kind of functioned like a massage chair, but mm. with the face pillow and a cam, but without the face pillow mm-hmm. and with a camera. Yeah. Um, so that's that update. That makes sense. I'm glad if that you're... he didn't drop um, almonds in front of uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah. I, it, the, it, the description of the rig, I think I can picture it. Well, it makes perfect sense to me if you were going to capture footage of an extremely tight close-up of just an actor's face mm-hmm. and maybe have to move them around to simulate that they were flying through the air, you would probably put them <laughs> in a kind of massage chair with a camera yeah. right up on their face. Yeah. The second part came from our friend Sam Martone. Yep. Um, so Sam um, is a delight. Uh, he is one of the people that... Um, is one of like a, a nerd I put in quotes like us. He has a lot of the same fandoms that he's a part of. Um, yes, he so- he he's he's more uh, passionate I think about these films and the comic books they're based on than than I am. Yeah, um, which says a lot since you decided to dedicate three podcast episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so he said, "I'm in the middle of it, meaning the podcast, and love it so much." Regarding why there aren't other Hulk movies, it's another rights issue. Like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, which is actually something I wanted to bring up because they also show up in the X-Men movies. We're going to get into it. Okay. Um, 
Hulk was a shared right situation with the, except with Universal instead of Fox. Universal has just distribution rights to all of the solo Hulk movies and presumably movies of other Hulk characters. So Marvel could make another solo, but they'd have to split the profits with Universal. Mm-hmm. But Marvel can have Hulk appear in team up films with nothing owed to Universal. Right. And you at the time said, interesting. Thank you, Sam. So if I'm understanding you correctly, then Marvel shared the profits of the Ed Norton movie with Universal and they made it up and they made it anyway to beef up the Avengers lead up. And he said, Incredible Hulk and Iron Man were pre-Disney. So mm-hmm. even though they were both made by Marvel Studios, the idea originally was to do distribution with existing film studios. Iron Man was Paramount, but whom I guess didn't retain any rights to Iron Man. Maybe Iron Man 2 also had a Paramount branding. And Incredible Hulk was Universal, um, who already had distribution rights from Hulk. When Disney bought them, everything else they just released under their own banner since Disney could handle everything. So that explains very well and succinctly why uh, you won't hear us talk about uh, The Incredible Hulk 2 mm-hmm. in this podcast, uh, nor any other podcast to follow because yes. it hasn't happened. It doesn't exist. And the reason is that uh, Disney would be giving up some cash. Which, you know, they're really struggling. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, they couldn't take a hit like that. No. Um, I had this whole bit, before I thought of the allergy season thing, I had this whole bit in mind for this episode where I was going to say, like, the goal of this season of the Smug Buds is is mass appeal. Mm-hmm. Like, if the first season was listened to by our friends and family, then I want season two to be listened to by everyone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, and then... Uh, ultimately, what should happen is that the Smug Buds should be um, uh, purchased by Disney. <laughs> like, that's what I'm working towards. Like, uh-huh. Because I would frame it as like, that's the goal of like, basically every form of entertainment right now in 2019. Yeah. Like, if you're not owned by Disney, then you could be one day. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm not sure how much my, like, vegetable episode is really going to do with mass appeal, but okay. I don't know, man. <laughs> you never know. Um, okay, so uh, phase two, you got six more movies. They came out over the course of three years. How many movies came out in phase one? Six. Okay, so it was six and six. So it's six okay. and six, which is nice and clean. Mm-hmm. But season two is even cleaner. And we ended with the Avengers for the first part. Yes, that's right. So The first uh, Avengers movie, that is. Phase one covered in The Smug Buds, Cold and Flu Season, Episode 2, covered 2008 through 2012, a.k.a. Iron Man through the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And uh, six movies in that one, six movies in this one, that's nice and clean. Phase two is even a little cleaner, which I like, because... Time-wise, Phase 2 spans three years. Oh, okay. Two years, two movies per year. Uh Nice, clean, easy-to-remember release schedule. As opposed to Phase 1, where Disney uh, intervened in the middle of it by buying up Marvel. So, to recap, you had Iron Man and Hulk in 2008. And then nothing in 2009. Mm-hmm. And then just Iron Man 2 in 2010. Thor and Captain America in 2011. And then just the Avengers in 2012. Mm-hmm. In phase two, 
in 2013, they released Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World. Mm -hmm. In 2014, they released Captain America The Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. And in 2015, they released, and this is where there's a couple of curveballs. They released Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. That's the first curveball. I bet you thought that that was going to be the sixth movie out of six, but it's actually the fifth. I sure did. And then the second curveball to follow it is that the sixth movie in phase two is Ant-Man. Right, which I have not, I did not realize Ant-Man was part of this at all. Thank you. Okay, so that's what I couldn't remember before when I was uh, vamping because our Skype connection got cut off. <laughs> what I meant to say was, just to recap, the, what is the Marvel Cinematic Universe? It is a bunch of films based on Marvel Comics, but not just any film based on Marvel Comics. It's the films based on Marvel Comics that share a continuity yes. that are all created uh, and released by Marvel Studios. These movies share a universe with some television shows, which we are not really going to get into probably. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would just, you know, I don't want to spend uh, all the time that I spent last time, you know, setting this up with other, you know, outside thoughts and, and contextual things. I want to go through this movie by movie. So in Can I 20 say one more note about Ant yeah. Man? Yeah. So okay. I've recently okay. since our last thing, yeah. I have watched more of these movies intentionally. I have watched Age of Ultron. Um I can't think of what else I've watched. Maybe just Age of Ultron. But okay. I um I uh I was going to watch Ant Man. Yeah. Until I realized I wasn't actually watching Ant Man. I was watching Ant Man and Wasp. Which was the, the sequel, sequel mm -hmm. phase to Ant-Man, which mm -hmm. is in Phase 3. But I had so little concept of Ant-Man being part of this to begin with mm -hmm. that I didn't even know what was happening. I watched like 10 minutes of it and Kenny was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I yeah. stopped watching it. So, I mean, which I only bring that up because um, I to give you an idea also of where I am now, which is that I'm a little bit more informed, but I certainly haven't yeah. seen all of these movies. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to fill in that picture as we go. One one last tiny bit of context. I, I said that we're recording this in mid-April to give you the exact moment in the present in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we are mm -hmm. when I'm recording this. Uh, this is after Captain Marvel has come out, mm -hmm. but before Avengers Endgame has come out. Yes. A, so a I've pivotal seen, moment. Yes, exactly. It is a real uh, elbow in the arm of this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird, Will. <laughs> I, well, would you prefer I said it was the elbow and the macaroni of this franchise? <laughs> no, that's also weird. Why is this a <laughs> why is this a metaphor that you just made up, or is this like existing? Elbows are pivots. It's a pivotal moment. <laughs> okay, continue. Okay, twenty thirteen. <laughs> yes, right? Marvel's The Avengers was the only one of these movies to come out in twenty twelve. Mm -hmm. 2013 comes around, Iron Man 3 comes out. Liz, have you seen Iron Man 3? Yes. Tell me about it. Uh, no. Tell me about, tell me about seeing it, how you saw it, when you saw it, or and or what you remember of it. I, okay. I saw it at home. I, wait. Oh, okay. Can you, 
can you actually just give me a summary of the movie? Like yes. a two-sentence summary? Okay, the plot summary is Iron Man is threatened by a shadowy villain called the Mandarin. He uh, has a personal vendetta against the Mandarin. He has to find and get revenge on the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. The Mandarin is revealed to be uh, not what everyone thought he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead, uh, Tony Stark has to defeat uh, someone else. Okay. This is what I remember about this movie. (laughs) I think this is no, no, no. That was helpful. I also just looked at Wikipedia. Okay. Um, I I saw this movie in theaters with Kenny. This would have been when I was in grad school. Uh huh. Um. So this started my because for a while we were seeing a lot of these movies in theaters, and so like the first couple I think I discussed we saw. Um. Well, I guess we saw Avengers in theaters, but like Mm -hmm. Iron Man two and Iron Man one. I saw at home because they okay. were had already been out and sure. they were available and Kenny was yep. like, do you want to watch these? Uh-huh. Um, so this is the, the sort of beginning of me starting to sort of almost exclusively see these in theaters. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember seeing it. And then mm-hmm. I do remember apparently immediately forgetting what happened. Okay. Fair enough. I so I be- don't love Iron Man. Okay. I, I do very much want to talk about that. And, and I, I don't, have anything personally against him but you he's just less a dynamic and interest like i i totally understand like in the first episode i re-listened to the first episode about this you mm-hmm. talk a lot about how part of the reason this whole franchise was able to sort of launch was the sort of um uh dynamicness dyna- dynas- dynamism and the, the and the charisma charisma of- of Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr. Jr. as Tony Stark, not just yes. as Iron Man. And right. I think that that's totally true. Yep. Um, but I think that he's way less interesting and complex than anyone else. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. I was uh, I was waiting for you to name someone in particular. <laughs> <laughs> um, certainly, uh, if you track... Okay, so I think... Three of the Avengers have uh, their own trilogies so far, right? Okay, actually, I take this back. Hawkeye, not that interesting. Okay, <laughs> Less yeah, interesting he, than Iron he, Man. He doesn't even have his own single movie. Yeah, because he sucks. Let's just evaluate for a moment Iron Man against the other two Avengers that have their okay. own arcs over Fair. three movies. Yes. You've got Iron Man and Captain America and Thor. Mm-hmm. Probably... Yes, I think you could make a case that Iron Man has the least growth mm-hmm. or change or development uh, in his arc over those three movies. Uh, but he, I would argue he's he's also he's the most lively character. Oh, he's definitely lively. Yeah. Again, and I don't so- have anything against him. I just, you know, I don't love him. So, so I guess you, you, I, I might say that like it, it's easiest to hang uh, a lot of fun and entertainment on the back of Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark and Iron Man, mm-hmm. but it's easier to hang more um, character development and 
interesting story uh, on the back of, say, Captain America or even Thor. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Thor is a god or whatever, but like Thor has like, um, like a brother that's like he loves and is also evil <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Thor has uh, a lot of uh, responsibility thrust upon him. Uh, whereas Tony Stark can basically do whatever he wants. He just has some obligations to like his loved ones. And Thor's a foreigner too, right? True. So, uh, you know, I say this in the sense that like he comes to Earth and has to figure out like humanity. I wish the first movie had more of that. Yeah. I think what, one of one of the disadvantages, one of the points in the in the column against the Thor movies, especially the first one, is that uh, there's not enough of that. There's not enough of the fish out of water. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's it's funny, but it uh, could it's very it could be very funny. It could also be very emotional Mm -hmm. to see him like, yeah, trying to figure out a world totally foreign to him. Um, And uh, there's a little bit of that, but mostly it's like he's thrust into a group that like welcomes him pretty immediately. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't interact with a lot of people who like uh, you know have to deal with him in that in that way that might be interesting. Yeah. So okay, so let me tell you let me let me make a case for you know okay so you say you don't remember Iron Man three very well. That's kind of an indictment of the movie. Also a statement about you know you and your preferences. Mm-hmm. Let me make a case for why. Iron Man 3 is a stroke of genius in the wake of the Avengers. Okay, fair. The the context for the moment of when Iron Man 3 is going to come out is just last summer, we all got the Avengers. Mm-hmm. It was big and successful and fun and the culmination of, you know, three to four years and five other movies and it was an event like no other before it. And it was colossal and it was great. Mm-hmm. And it was at the time also directed by Joss Whedon, which we were mm-hmm. all, which most people were really into. Right. Exactly. At the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the Avengers was a, was a Joss Whedon joint written and directed by, which is kind of rare for these movies mm-hmm. to have that, you know, ownership and authorship and and crossover between writing and directing so it was a big big deal so the question is and the the challenge is where do you go next from there right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they can't all be avengers movies and Mm -hmm. they can't all be events as big as an avengers movie so anything that you do immediately after could easily just look like a big step backwards in the wrong direction like oh it's a smaller movie it's not as exciting it's not as important as the avengers so like what do you do to like keep people on board to be like this is going to keep going even if it's not going to keep escalating necessarily Mm -hmm. with every single movie Mm -hmm. so the first answer to that question which is good is Give the people what they want. Another Iron Man movie. Mm-hmm. Make it a third one. So it's like, okay, now it's a trilogy. 
and it's like the completion of a trilogy and that's always exciting and people you know love the tony stark character and they love robert downey jr in the role they want to see more of that charm and charisma and banter so give them what they want second answer to that question is new director mm-hmm. shane black the first two iron man movies were directed by john favreau mm-hmm. who also appears in them he plays happy are you familiar with the character happy no can you picture someone when i say happy no he's tony stark's like driver oh, okay yes Okay, now you're picturing him. That's John uh-huh. Favreau. He also directed Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Okay, uh-huh. In Iron Man 3, uh, he, he's still around playing happy in uh-huh. in future movies. But the director of Iron Man 3 is Shane Black. Got it. Do you know who Shane Black is? No. Okay, so I would know Shane Black primarily as someone who worked with Robert Downey Jr. before because he made a movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, I have a story about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Please tell your story about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. We had a screenwriting class. Did you take screenwriting in undergrad? I did with a certain writer who was uh, recently in my home. Oh, yeah, you lucky motherfucker. Ha. <laughs> I took screenwriting with Dr. Roth's wife, whose name I do not remember. Dr. Roth was one of our literature professors, and his wife taught this class as an adjunct, which is totally fine, because the beloved uh, author who was recently in your home was also an adjunct at this time, but regardless, I took he, this class. He wasn't anyone's spouse at the time. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he, she, uh, not the writer, but my teacher, Dr. Roth's wife, um, claimed that she had named Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> Have I told you the story? I don't think so. So so her whole like claim to fame. And honestly, this class was not terrible. I just want to say this class was not terrible. She just was like I don't know. She just like she she it was structured well. She just was like not my favorite person. But um she would have us like watch scenes from movies and then we'd look at scripts that were written out. She told us that we should like print our scripts out and like mail them to ourselves to prove that like we had written them first. Um, okay. Which, which felt very like 1995. Um, I think that's a copyright thing. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like a copyright thing, but it was also like, um, just felt like a self esteem thing. No, like, we have timestamps now. Like, if I post something oh. on Twitter, I can, like, I okay. proved that I dreamed about Billy Porter's dress because I posted about it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, not that it needs to be a public space like that, but, like, I yeah. just feel like there's other ways. Uh-huh. And she's, so who, who directed, oh, so Shane Black directed Kiss, Kiss Bang Bang? Yep. Okay, so who wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? I think it was also Shane Black, but I'm not sure, so I'm going to look it up. Okay, so she said that she was friends with the person who wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Okay. Who may or may not be Shane Black. And that they were having drinks one night and he was talking to them about his new script. And she said, you know, you should call that Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And he was like, no, that's dumb or whatever. You know, some form of like, and she was like, mm-hmm. no, it's really good and convinced him. And then it became a movie. And this was why she was qualified to be teaching the screenwriting course. <laughs> <laughs> which which I only say because you know our beloved author friend that you took the class from has yep. not as far as I know 
have any more qualifications for screenwriting otherwise. But it just felt like, like, except for the fact that he's a writer and he teaches writing. Like, that's his qualifications. Her qualification was literally just like, I've taught this class before and also I named Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking it up on IMDb and it does say that Shane Black is credited with the uh, screenplay for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So that was probably who was in her story. Yes, I don't know why she knew him, but whatever. That was, that was, that's my story about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And also apparently Shane Black. Have you ever seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Yeah, I had watched it, like, actually, I mean, in the early days of Netflix, I had watched it. Uh-huh. Um, early, early days? Like, you got the DVD in the like mail? Like, DVD days, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. So you watched it on physical media, and, and how would you, what do you, rem- like, how would you characterize that movie? Um, it felt, um, it felt self-indulgent, if I'm okay. remembering. Correctly. Yeah. I remember specifically a scene with a pool. Like, I remember everything seemed to be pl- taking place at night. Uh-huh. Like, in my mind, that whole movie takes place at night with, like, a pool that's lit up. Like, that's the lighting yeah. of the movie. Yeah, and I think that that's supposed to be because it ha- it's supposed to have, like, a noir aesthetic. Ah, uh, okay. But it's <laughs> also, like, a comedy. But, like, yes. an action comedy. And so, sort of, like, a takeoff on noir, mm-hmm. which is another way of saying, like, it... it it's witty in a sort of meta way. Uh-huh. And when it, when you get into that kind of meta humor, then like, yes, if you don't like it, you might say that it is uh, self-indulgent or, uh, you know, up its own ass or something. Yeah. And I think you just said Robert Downey Jr. was in that movie. Yes. I think that that was also how I then knew who Robert Downey Jr. was when Iron Man came out. Okay. Yeah. So... Now I'm realizing that this is, in fact, even more of an interesting connection yeah. than I knew at the time. So, yeah, look at look at the sort of arc that that creates from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in 2005 to mm-hmm. now Shane Black is going to uh, direct and, and help write, I believe, uh, uh, Iron Man 3. So right. you and, and knowing what you know or remembering what you remember about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you can draw a clear conclusion about why they would get Shane Black to do it. Mm-hmm. He's going to play into what makes Robert Downey Jr. pop in these mm-hmm. movies, his witty banter, that, you know, particular sense of humor that, you know, s- people who are turned off by it might think is self-indulgent. And when you said that you don't really like Iron Man, I, I'm wondering, you, so you, you, you stated your primary reason and, and how it's about his lack of growth as a character. But I was wondering if you might be sort of immune to some of those charms, because I know in the first episode, I made a big deal about like, Oh, you know, this whole universe is like on the back of like this actor's charisma in this role. And I, and I know that some people are, <laughs> I have to admit that some people uh, don't care for it and think that it is smarmy or annoying or, uh, uh, you know, the opposite of what it's supposed to be, which is charming. So, uh, not, so, so the first way in which you might notice that Iron Man 3 has this kind of different person at the steering wheel mm-hmm. is um, <clears throat> the, uh, Tony Stark has voiceover in Iron Man 3. Oh, Okay. Um, yeah. I, th- I, I, if I remember correctly, I think that was a first for these movies. I'm immediately skeptical of voiceover. Really? Yeah. Aren't, I mean, aren't you like, as no. a, 
Uh, no? Okay. So, I've, you know... I'm I not... Told- okay, I'm not, but... Let me tell you why. Because okay. voiceover sometimes is a way to show us something as it's happening and then bring us into the present moment. That doesn't always happen with voiceover. Uh-huh. But it does a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, we were just watching, and we will not get into this further than this moment, but we rewatched The Last Jedi last night, uh-huh. and Ray has a moment of voiceover, and I was very aware when we were watching it last night that I was like, oh, this is voiceover, this is weird, but mm. that's drawing into her, you realizing who she's telling, which is a bit of a bait and switch. Do you know what part of the movie I'm talking about? I don't remember it, but... I think it's funny that you bring this up because uh, the the reason I brought up the voiceover is not to bash it, okay. but, but to say that Iron Man 3 also has a bait and switch, which okay. I like. Yes. So I, I guess what I mean is like, I'm not suspicious of voiceover in general because I see it as being a way of sort of seamlessly blending like two things that need to happen in a movie functionally, uh-huh. which is like the the part that it happens in the in The Last Jedi is when she's in the cave. Yes. There's voiceover, and then you think that she's telling Luke, and she's actually telling Kylo Adam Ren. Driver. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Kylo Ren. Um. <laughs> and so that is like really a really seamless way that they very quickly and like quite elegantly sort of moved us through information. And I feel like okay. oftentimes voiceover is used that way. But here, here's the distinction that I will make. Okay. When I say I'm skeptical of voiceover. Hmm. That's not voiceover. You don't count that as voiceover? The way that I'm using it. Voiceover is narration with no diegetic source. Okay. Even, okay. So even though it might appear as voiceover at at first. Even if it is like, okay, I hear someone talking and I don't see their lips moving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not necessarily voiceover because it could cut to them talking to another character. Okay. Which Iron Man 3 does. Okay. Okay. But... Uh, by voiceover, what I mean, like, oh, there is, there's no, you know, this is just the same as like a, a non-epistolary work mm. of literature where it's in the first person and it's like I, the reader, am being told a story by one of the characters. Yeah. There's just that, you know, impossible direct communication between the character and the audience member. Mm-hmm. of course it can be done well of course it has been done well i'm open to it i am open-minded but at the same time i'm skeptical just because i have that part of my brain that's been trained with the kind of show don't tell rules right and so i immediately think like okay if that kind of voiceover is in a movie is this lazy like is mm-hmm. it lazy writing uh to just you know be able to let the character just like tell the audience what's going on in their head Mm-hmm. Same is true for um, talking head interviews in shows and movies where, uh, you know, it's not a real documentary. Right. Okay. So like Parks and Recreation is like one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. I think that almost every episode could be improved by cutting almost every moment where a character is talking to the camera. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, you know, do you, you know where that came from though, right? I, I mean, from documentaries. Be- okay, so more specifically, The Office. Um, Parks and Rec was supposed to be a spin-off, spin-off of, of the, the office. office. Yes, and right. the character who was supposed to go from one to the other was a copy machine. 
Yes. Yes, I do know <laughs> this. The Office, you can make more of a case that The Office, like, could actually be a documentary. Right. Parks and Rec, I wish they had never done it. There are moments where, like, someone, you know, the characters we know knock on the door to someone's house. The person inside the house answers, and there's already a camera inside that person's home. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. God, um, man, I think you just ruined a big part of Parks and Rec for me. Sorry. <laughs> Rewatch it with a critical eye. It's still, uh... it's still, you know, a wonderful show for other reasons. Uh-huh. In Iron Man 3, Tony Stark has this voiceover and the arc of the the pretense is that like in Iron Man 3, he's going to go from like very much like relying on being Iron Man to feel safe and secure after having been traumatized by the events of the Avengers mm-hmm. to being secure in I don't have to be Iron Man and in fact, at the end, he takes the thing out of his chest. He know he starts living without that, and he's like, yeah. "I'm Tony Stark." And then uh, credits, and then you see that all along he's been telling this story to Bruce Banner, uh... and Mark Ruffalo has fallen asleep <laughs> listening <laughs> to this story. And it's really funny, especially because at the end of the Avengers, we saw them driving off in a car together, which sparks the meme that like, oh, they're science buddies or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we get to see them together in the next movie. And it's it's cute and it's fun. And uh, it's a good cameo. So um, that's the last. So I think the last thing I'll say about why. Okay, actually, okay, to wrap up why this movie is brilliant as the one that comes after the Avengers. Uh Uh-huh. They they show that like okay there's there's still going to be like serious continuity mm-hmm. like part of Iron Man three is uh, Iron Man has PTSD yeah from uh what happened in the Avengers so it's like that's great like okay aftermath like we're gonna go like we're gonna peer into you know we went so big and macro with the Avengers and now like. That was a big deal. It actually affected these characters and we're going to go micro a little more and we're going to put one character under the microscope and see like how he's dealing with the aftermath of that big event. Uh And then finally, so I mentioned when I was doing my bad plot summary, (laughs) you think the Mandarin is the villain. There's sort of a twist in Iron Man 3, which is the Mandarin who is played by Ben Kingsley, who Uh we see in videos recorded like the head of a terrorist cell is like recording videos for public consumption when iron man finally tracks him down it turns out that he's an actor uh-huh is this ringing any bells for you yeah and the and the villain is really guy pierce's character uh-huh this so the the mandarin is like a big scary uh not very uh culturally sensitive villain from the uh-huh. comic books so it's a good uh, s- subversion of expectations. So it's like a sign that like, okay, if we can't go big, huge, you know, like an Avengers, you know, 30 minute fight in, in, in New York City, mm-hmm. like we're going to go to smarter, more clever places where like nice. there's a, 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 a misdirect. Mm-hmm. And by the way, like politically, like story wise, like it's a it's a good misdirect and a good story to tell because the red herring is this ethnic, you know, 
villain from from outside just like vaguely from the middle east who is like uh you know hates america mm-hmm. and then it turns out that that is a fiction and it's a fiction written by powerful white men in america who are the real villains of the piece so mm-hmm. it's like that like that is a good like that's a story to tell that like makes me feel better yeah (laughs) and yeah then the story of the first iron man where like the first iron man does like sort of tips its bow dips its toe in both Mm -hmm. waters where like you get the white man powerful white man villain and jeff bridges jeff bridges's character yeah but also in the earlier part of the movie, like Tony has to, you know, actually like escape from the Middle East by mm-hmm. by building the first Iron Man suit. So, okay, um, let's move on from Iron Man three. Okay. Also in twenty, uh, uh, also in twenty thirteen, uh, we get uh, the third. The, the, I'm sorry, the second Thor movie. Right. Thor, Thor: The Dark World. Yes. Directed by Alan Taylor. Hmm. Uh, because uh, none of these movies uh, could have possibly been directed by uh, a woman. Yes. God forbid. Have you seen Thor The Dark World? Yes. I saw Thor The Dark World before I saw the first Thor movie. Interesting. And so uh, what, you know, reactions? What do you... What, what do you... Not enough Natalie Portman. Uh-huh. Um, I... I remember that one... There was like a lot of going between like two places with that, like with right. Mm-hmm. That's basically true. Um, I didn't love it. No. Okay. There was I. I just kept thinking, "Where's Natalie?" <laughs> I yeah. Natalie Portman has been my number one celebrity crush since high school. Hmm. Um. And, and what, so, what did that start with? Do you remember? Oh yeah, it started it with Garden State. Okay. <laughs> I knew, I knew about her. Of course, I saw the Phantom Menace, and I, I thought loved maybe her our, I in thought those maybe movies, our, our guiding light, George Lucas, was responsible <laughs> for your crush on Natalie Portman. But I absolutely fell in love with her in Garden State, a movie sure. that now I can't even imagine rewatching without just yelling the whole just time. Deeply problematic and annoying. Oh my god! But she was just like beautiful, and like mm-hmm. had that curly hair, and I just wanted to like cuddle up with her and. And then I, you know, and then, of course, there was, like... The epitome of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yes. And then there was, like, Black Swan, and I was like, oh, my God, she even, Mm. like, has sex with a little lady in that, at least in her brain, and I was, like, (laughs) all about it. Cool, cool. So, uh, Natalie Portman, um, if if you disliked uh, any animosity that you might have for this franchise, uh, might justifiably be rooted in that... uh, Natalie Portman is one of the people that that Marvel Studios has kind of uh, uh, left in the dust after making them unhappy. Mm-hmm. And my understanding, so th- this is this sequel is the last appearance of Natalie Portman. She has a photo cameo mm-hmm. in another movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I sort of remember that where he's like holding a photo of her, and and somebody says, "Don't worry, she'll be safe," and he's like. Thank you, I'm Thor. Yes, yeah. right. Yes, they reference her later, but you will not see Natalie Portman act again in yes. one of these movies. And and I learned this kind of recently. My understanding, it's a loose understanding, so uh-huh. I might be mischaracterizing this, but um, Natalie Portman 
what to Marvel Studios was like, yeah, I'll come back and do another Thor movie as long as it's directed by Patty Jenkins. Who's Patty Jenkins? Patty Jenkins would later go on to direct Wonder Woman. Oh, cool. Yes. A woman. A woman. Uh, uh, Marvel Studios was like, uh, great. And uh, then that did not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So uh, Natalie Portman appeared in this movie. Apparently, she was very upset that it was not directed by Patty Jenkins or any other woman for that matter. Can I just say I love her all the more for this? <laughs> so that's a bit of a stain on this movie. Yeah. Um, the other There are uh, two other stains on this movie, in my opinion, that uh-huh. I'll mention. Yeah. The first is it's called Thor the Dark World. Yeah. Instead of Thor 2. <laughs> um, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to take a deeper dive into this later. But in my opinion, all of these movies that have a subtitle... Uh-huh. Um, should have a number. Oh yes, almost all of not. Well, no, I, that's not what I was going to say. I was, was going to say they're mostly bad subtitles. Oh, okay, I see. A lot of the sequels have bad titles. Uh huh. Almost all, but not all. Um, the other stain on this movie, and the other like trend that I can say, like if I'm being critical, <laughs> what a lot of these movies have in common that's not very good is generic uh, villainy. Mm, the villains the villains are generic evil the villains are not memorable yes and we talked about this a little bit in the first episode the 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 marvel universe doesn't have nearly as many great memorable villains as say batman does yes yeah not even not even dc just like only batman (laughs) thor the dark world uh is in my opinion the worst example of this yeah. Or or the best example of bad This worst villain. thing. Yeah. Can you remember anything about the villain in this movie? No. Can you remember who it is, who it's played by? I mean that isn't it like that that they're trying to get the dark world, this like sort of like purple electric y thing to take over a place? It's actually red. Red is the color okay. of evil in this movie. Purple is the color in the uh in um the next, uh, no, not the next movie. In Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, okay. So yes, but yes, I'm. I remember that, but I don't remember where that was coming from. So th- there's this idea that they don't nearly dive into enough that there are like nine realms, right? Uh-huh. And Earth is one of them, and Asgard is another one. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna acknowledge that there's you know one of them is the dark world. <laughs> and it's populated by dark elves. Uh-huh. And uh, the leader of those dark elves is Malekith. And Malekith. Mal- I think that's his name. And Malekith is played by Christopher Eccleston. Okay. Yes. I do remember this. Yeah. Because I remember being like, because he doesn't look like Christopher Eccleston. No, he looks like a dark elf. Yes. Um, Because C- Christopher Eccleston, of course, played. The Doctor. The doctor, the ninth doctor. And so I remember watching this whole movie with Kenny and then him being, and then the, 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 the scrolling, the, what right. is that called? Credits. The titles, the credits, the credits rolling and me being like, holy shit, that yeah. was the doctor? And Kenny yeah. was like, yes. <laughs> I knew beforehand that he was cast as the villain. I'm not a Doctor Who fan, but yeah. I was like, that's cool. And then he's, you know, 
he might as well not be in the movie. Have you have you watched Twenty Eight Days Later? No. Okay, well we don't. He's also in that movie, so cool. that's another thing that I knew him from. He's cool. a villain in that movie too. So oh, interesting. All right, but you're right. But my point being, you're right. I don't think I could would have known that he was in that movie unless you told me because he mm-hmm. can play a villain quite well. Yeah. So when one of these movies has a terribly generic, forgettable villain, the question to ask is, what does it have instead of a good villain? And usually the answer to that question is, it has an origin story for the hero, and that needs to be the focus. But this is a sequel. We already know (laughs) Thor. So what does this movie have instead of a good villain? Not Natalie Portman. Not Natalie Portman, no. The best answer to that question I can think of is, it has Thor and Loki teaming up. Yes, you're right. That is a strength of this movie. And I remember feeling thrilled by that. That's basically what has to be front and center in this movie is the two brothers, one hero, one villain, ha- you know, having to team up and work together. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Still, mm-hmm. this movie, it's near the bottom of the list if I'm ranking all of them. Right. I think that's all I want to say about that. Let's move on because uh, we're taking up too much time already. <laughs> Uh, 2014 brings us Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Yes, the movie that I feel like was really acclaimed that I did not see. Me too. You haven't seen this movie? I have seen it. I didn't see it in theaters. Oh. I didn't see it until much later. No, not much later, but uh, uh, maybe a year later. This is the last movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that at the time of its release... I considered non-essential. Oh. Now I've come around to realizing that for me, in my heart, all of these movies are essential for me to watch. Okay. But you might remember from the first episode when we covered Captain America, the first Avenger, Uh also the first of these movies to have a shitty subtitle. (laughs) It's not even a sequel. They could have just called it Captain America. Uh, (laughs) they could have but they didn't (laughs) i was very lukewarm on the first captain america right it is still in my opinion the single worst of Mm -hmm. all of these movies Mm -hmm. so a new captain america movie did not excite me right i was like i don't need to see that i didn't i don't really like captain america that much Mm -hmm. and then it came out and Everybody was like, this is really good. And not only were they like that, but it was the first one of these movies in my memory to have a reaction that said, no, this one's different. This Uh is not just a superhero movie. It's also something else at the same time. And what it was is a spy thriller. Uh Everyone was like, this is still a superhero movie, but what if a superhero movie was also a spy thriller? Uh Uh-huh. So this is, in my memory, the first of the movies to be like, there's like a genre mashup. There's like something more interesting going on. Can I actually say that I feel like I have a better idea of the plot of this movie than I did for Iron Man 3? But but you haven't. Have you or haven't you seen it by now? I haven't. Okay. <laughs> but I think that the plot, I think one of the hinging points of the plot, maybe not the plot, but maybe the like hinging emotional resonance is that uh, Captain America and Iron Man are at odds with one another. That is in the third Captain America movie. Damn it. Never mind. The emotional hinge of this movie is the titular Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. 
who it turns out, spoiler alert, is Captain America's old friend, Bucky, Bucky. who died in the first Captain America movie, uh, come back to life uh-huh. and uh, abducted by the villainous Hydra uh-huh. and made into sort of their version of a super soldier, uh, you know, uh, somebody who uh, is under their control and, uh, you know, killing for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I later saw this movie, and indeed, uh, it's pretty good. I rank it pretty highly among these movies. It's directed by two people, uh, brothers, in fact, uh, Anthony and Joe Russo. Right. And this is their first entry, but certainly not their last, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Before uh, they directed this movie... Um, they worked on community. Oh, okay. They were directors and I think maybe producers on, uh-huh. uh, in the early days of the show community. And that is why, uh, oh, and they also worked on Arrested Development, I think. Oh, okay. And that is why you will see, uh, Danny Pudi, uh-huh. uh, AKA Abed from community in uh-huh. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Right. And uh, there are other cameos in their other Marvel films to come later. Um, and this reminds me that uh, we talked about Community when we talked about Rick and Morty. And I yes. think I think I remember you saying that you watched Community, but you probably never saw the final season. Yeah, I got almost the whole way through when I was on maternity leave. And I, I just... Uh, because when I was on maternity leave, I watched like like I can I don't think I've watched that much TV since I it's been like summer break when I was in high school like right um and I think I basically just ran out of maternity leave but yeah. then we're watching other things that mm-hmm. I felt were more important fair enough um so yeah I watched like I think I probably because it was like the whole thing was like six seasons in a movie so I watched mm-hmm. I think into the fifth um mm-hmm. I think into the fifth season and so, then and then stopped so i saw like i saw the you know i saw daniel donald glover leave i saw yeah. um uh other guy who i always confuse with jeffrey tambor leave chevy chase. chevy chase i saw him leave um and i i don't remember where i i left off uh because and I no longer have access to that community, to that Hulu account anymore. So I'm not totally sure oh, where I left off, but it bad. was, it was like, um, it was like, par- I think part of the way through the fifth season. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I got that. Yeah. Um, so you haven't seen the final episode. And so no. just a little bit of a spoiler. There's a moment, uh, it's basically the final emotional beat of the series with any dialogue where Jeff and Annie, Mm-hmm. are uh saying goodbye to each other and sort of figuring out like what they are to each other and uh they both take the time and this would have been released i think in 2014 or 2015 this would have been released after the russos had entered the marvel cinematic universe with the okay. winter soldier uh-huh. but Bo- both jeff and annie jeff representing a 40 something year old man and uh-huh. Annie representing a 20-something-year-old woman, they both take time in their emotional speeches to each other to um, mention uh, how boring they find the Marvel movies. <laughs> and I considered this a personal affront. 
That's amazing. And uh, I think we'll link to that scene in the show notes uh, so that you can watch it. Um, I, uh, yeah, uh, you should watch The Winter Soldier sometime. It's pretty cool. I will. I do plan on watching all of these movies now. It's just a matter of like finding them and watching them and Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's move on to the second film in this franchise from 2014. It is a little film that made uh, just no splash in the public consciousness whatsoever uh, called Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Which I also, for the record, didn't realize was a Marvel movie until the end of it. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, that's justifiable. So I guess I should have made, I, I mean, should I even, should I get into talking about the Infinity Stones? Oh, not yet. Because this is, because Guardians of the Galaxy, among other things, is, is where I think maybe the first time they use the words Infinity Stone. It is, definitely. But we've seen them. Uh, at the, the Thor, the Dark World ends with, uh, they, all that red evil that we were mm-hmm. talking about that you thought was purple. Yeah. They they for safekeeping as guardians bring it to the collector played right. by Benicio del Toro, uh, which it turns out would be a setup for Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Because when the Guardians of the Galaxy uh meet their purple MacGuffin, uh-huh. uh they also bring it to the collector. Yes. Okay, so And and uh a bit of a side note about me seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. Saw it in yes. theaters. At this point, I understand sort of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I saw it largely because of Chris... Well, all of these are spurned by Kenny, but largely because of Chris Pratt. And also, do you know the joke that they made in Parks and Rec? He because cut out of beer. Guard- Yeah. <laughs> he, he comes back yeah. from... They come back to a new season. Chris Pratt shows up for the first time. Uh, Adam Scott says something like, uh, or Ben Wyatt, played by Adam Scott, says something like, dude, you really like buffed up. And he goes, yeah, just stop drinking beer. <laughs> and like, you were drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah, which is maybe one of my favorite jokes in the it's whole funny. series. It's funny. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, okay, so talk about your elbows, aka pivotal moments. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy is the first time that Marvel Studios takes an intellectual property Mm -hmm. that you have never heard of Uh and makes it into a movie. And when it is successful, basically my narrative of how this is going, it's like once Guardians of the Galaxy is successful, it's like, oh, from now on, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. They can just do anything they can put anything on screen and they had just and and they they basically have free reign to take like whatever risks they want obviously the risks that they have been reluctant to take are including uh minorities (laughs) of any kind and women i always forget that women are not a minority but you know what i mean yes when i say (laughs) disenfranchised people yeah marginalized people yeah um so uh but you know the the wheels are slowly turning uh but we're in phase two so um who's responsible for this movie uh uh, guardians of the galaxy is directed by james gunn Mm -hmm. james gunn has been in the news in the past year uh first for the worse and more recently for the better wait what happened with him oh my god seriously you don't know 
Okay. Well, let me just Google real. Just no, tell no, me no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> James Gunn made Guardians. Two ends? Yes, two ends. <laughs> James Gunn made Guardians of the Galaxy. He made Guardians of the Galaxy two. Okay. Beloved Marvel movies. Uh-huh. He also apparently made Scooby Doo, but continue. Disney fired him last year. Uh-huh. Because some alt-right dummies put a internet spotlight on old tweets, very old tweets by James Gunn. Uh-huh. Which were just the dumbest, stupidest, basest humor imaginable. Uh-huh. And painted James Gunn in a bad light. Okay. So Disney said, well, this is the conversation about James Gunn now. We can't have this guy representing Disney. So they fired okay. him. That's the old news. Okay. The more recent news, which will be old news by the time people are hearing this, mm-hmm. is that they rehired him. And oh, cool. He, and he is going to make Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You know what? I did know this. Okay, great. Uh, Kenny told me. Uh-huh. Because he said they hired James Gunn to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I said. Who's that? I said, is that good? <laughs> and he said, yes, they had fired him, but now they're bringing him back. And I said, yep. well, that's good, right? Kenny yep. was like, yes, that's good. I was like, okay. <laughs> Bit of a uh, Dan Harmon working for Community story. Yes. They fired Dan Harmon from Community and then they had to bring him back. Yes. Fans were not happy. And also, I think the cast was not happy in both cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that guy's an asshole. Yeah, I'd be probably never happy. I, I, yeah. Okay, so um, you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, you, I love that movie. You know what's special about it. It's fun. It's one of the best ones. Yeah. And uh, it's bonkers. And it's Bradley Cooper as a talking raccoon who doesn't know that he's a raccoon or even what a raccoon is. Yeah. And it's Vin Diesel as a talking tree who only says the same three words over and over. Yes. And it's Chris Pratt as a debonair, uh, you know, sort of superhero wannabe, but not superhero, just like legend wannabe. Uh And it's Zoe Saldana as... Uh, the green. most beautiful green alien mm-hmm. you've ever seen in your life. And it's Dave Bautista as another kind of alien who uh, makes an autistic young person who sees the movie go, that's me. That's me up on I was going to bring that up because yeah. I remember that happened. I remember reading about that and just being like, just like weeping. That's a nice story. That's like a really nice story. Yeah. Thing. Like he doesn't, he doesn't understand context either. Yeah, and he like, doesn't but understand, like also like, he's really language. strong. Yes, yeah. And you root for him. Okay. Um, is there anything else that has to be said about this movie? Like it's so, it, yeah. I did not realize it was Marvel until the end, and then I did, of course. And 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 why the end? What am what am I forgetting? Isn't there like a postscript? As there are with all these movies? I'm sure there is. I'm just... But I, I, I don't I don't remember what the postscript is, but I remember at that point being like, maybe even just the existence of there being a postscript. I was like, ah. I remember the postscript to The Winter Soldier, which you didn't see, uh-huh. which sets up the second Avengers movie. 
by introducing us to the aforementioned Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And so um, you could tell how much they were planning ahead now in phase two Mm -hmm. because you can see, like I said, Thor the Dark World, its postscript set up Guardians of the Galaxy, which was not the next movie. It was the one after that. And Uh then Winter Soldier set up Avengers Age of Ultron, which was not the next movie. It was the one after that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm – the postscript for Guardians of the Galaxy – sets up um no i think it's just funny i think it's just a funny i think it's just baby Groot dancing it says okay i just looked it up it okay. says in the post credit scene Tiv- tivan tivan t-i-v-a-n okay sits in his destroyed archive with two of his living exhibits a canine cosmonaut and an anthropomorphic duck and then so, seth green plays howard the duck yes Seth Green is the voice of Howard the Duck. But, I mean, I think truly, so I truly think that that was when I said to Kenny, like, wait, is this a, is this part of this other thing? And he was like, yes, Liz. And it was, and it didn't give it away when at the very beginning there was a giant Marvel logo with a big sweeping orchestral <laughs> score. Okay. <laughs> I guess what I mean is like. Same continuity. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't understand that that was called the Marvel Cinematic Universe until yeah. you fucking told me, man. All right. Fair. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Avengers Age of Ultron is the second Avengers movie. Once again, like the first Avengers movie, it's written and directed by Joss Whedon. It came out in May 2015. This movie has the worst title of all. You think so? Age of Ultron. Uh, so I remember the trailer coming out for this because it did the um, it plate riffed off of the Pinocchio song. I don't remember this. Oh, off of um, the no, I've got no strings. Oh, what is the name of that? song? Oh, yeah, James Spader as Ultron says, "I've got no strings on me," which is which is a song from Pinocchio. Okay, and so the th- so the um. The trailer. I just assumed it was an NSYNC reference. reference. Oh, Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> the tra- so the trailer is um, that somebody creepily singing that song as like very quiet. It's like very quiet mm-hmm. as like all of these different scenes are showing. And Kenny looked at me at the end and was like, I have chills. Like it mm-hmm. was so it was such an inversion of that song. Yeah. Um. So, yes, I remember that. That's quite- cool. I remember that very specifically, and I remember that being that that being quite beautiful. That's cool. I'm I'm glad you have that memory. <laughs> I want to talk about the title. Okay. Talk about the nonsense quotient of some subtitles. Okay. I think that the bad subtitle thing is not unique to these movies. Uh-huh. I, I think it is an epidemic in <laughs> in, in popular films today. Okay. Uh-huh. For example. Says the man who just subtitled our season two. Very well, I might add. (laughs) Because I did not call it the Smug Bud season two colon the crimes of Grindelwald. (laughs) That's nonsense. What is a Grindelwald? Says any audience member. It's the dude. Yeah, I get it. I know who it is. But... (laughs) Just like, okay, so like when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I had never heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, fair. I, 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 all the, com- you know, I didn't read that many comics 
And I played some video games and the video games introduced me to some relatively obscure characters like Deadpool. Yes. But uh, uh, I don't recall anything being in any of those media about Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh-huh. Um, I knew who Ultron was okay. only, only because of the comic book Runaways, which is one of right. the few comic books that I read and loved. And Ultron yes. had a part to play in Runaways. Mm-hmm. But I think... To casual average Joe on the street, they would say, what is an Ultron? Uh What uh is that? uh So uh don't put that in the title of your movie. Okay. And then the way in which Age of Ultron is even worse than Crimes of Grindelwald Uh is that like I get what crimes are. Yeah. And and, and Grindelwald you can assume is a person because people usually. and 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 a criminal. Um, yes. I, it's, so, so I, I get like, okay, I'm probably going to see Grindelwald commit some crimes. Uh-huh. I've seen Age of Ultron. There is no Age of Ultron. Okay, fair. There, humanity is not plunged into a new age, like the uh-huh. Ice Age or or the Dark Ages or something like that. Yeah, it's like, like the, U- the span of the movie. Ultron is created and destroyed in like a weekend, if uh-huh. I remember this movie correctly. <laughs> it's a short and age. The, after, the aftermath, sure, there's aftermath and consequences, but not so much that you would be like, oh, we're living in the age of Ultron now. <laughs> like. It's a stupid title and I don't okay. like it. And okay. here is, and okay, I and accept. If, I, if I'm going to complain and gripe this much, uh-huh. I, I gotta have a solution to this problem. Okay. So here's my pitch, uh-huh. right? Um, Every, are you listening, Disney? In reality, it's too late. It's too late to redo this. You're not going to reissue the way that Ghostbusters 2016 uh-huh. came out on physical media and it was called Ghostbusters Answer the Call. It's too uh-huh. late. It's too late to rename this movie the way yeah. they renamed that one. Yeah. <laughs> the, but here's what I here's what I think they should have done. Uh-huh. First of all, they did one thing right. They dropped the the, right? The uh-huh. first movie is called Marvel's The Avengers. And the sequels are called Avengers colon something. I don't know. This feels a little bit like a personal attack, but keep going. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I think it's called Smug Buds Season 2. It's fine with me if it used to be called The Smug Buds. But uh, like Brad Bird said when you know, you, you, Incredibles 2 came out, uh-huh. the movie's called Incredibles 2. Uh-huh. And Brad Bird was asked, why isn't it The Incredibles 2? The first movie's called The Incredibles. Uh-huh. And his response was, it's not called The Terminator 2. Uh-huh. It's called Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Okay. Okay, so that's what they got right. Here's what they should have done. Uh-huh. It should have been a little... Uh, people make fun of the title Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. They think it's funny. Okay. I think it's clever. I like that title. I like a sequel title that expands on the original title, but there's no colon. Uh Uh-huh. I like that. So from Marvel's The Avengers, you go to Avengers Assemble. Uh Uh-huh. The end of this movie is in a very just dripping with Joss Whedon-y way. Uh Uh-huh. It ends with Captain America... Clearly, he's saying Avengers Assemble, and uh-huh. but it cuts before you, we, you, you hear him say it. Uh-huh. Call the movie Avengers Assemble. Okay, fair. That's cool. And I then accept. also, also why this is a good pitch uh-huh. is that it sets up the next movie. Okay. Avengers Infinity War, mm-hmm. also a very bad title. Uh-huh. 
partially because we've already had one of these movies with war in the title, uh-huh. Captain America Civil War. Right. So don't give us Civil War and then a few years later give us Infinity War. Yeah. I think that's stupid. Uh-huh. By calling the second one Avengers Assemble, you set up Avengers 3 is called Avengers Disassembled. <laughs> no, Will. I didn't just make this up. They did that in the comics. Okay. I never read it, but I remember when I was paying attention to a few Marvel comics, I would uh-huh. go onto the Marvel website on my parents' desktop computer <laughs> in my boredom, uh-huh. and I saw that there was this event going on called Avengers Disassembled, in, and in, on the website, in what I remember was a very glib fashion, Yeah, they were tracking all of the Avengers who had died in this uh-huh. uh, story event called Avengers Disassembled. Yeah. Great. Uh, th- th- and then if you want to call the fourth one Avengers Endgame, I'm cool with that. That's the first one of these titles that I've liked. Okay. Um, moving on from the title. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yes. What, what, what did you want to talk about? So uh, this was actually something I wanted to bring up in the first um, episode and it, we never got around to it, which is that we I saw. We talking about rights and stuff. Yeah, because like I remember seeing um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in X Men. You mostly saw Quicksilver. Yes, um, and I loved him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved him in that movie, and I think that the dude who played that is since played a character in Gotham, but I could be making that up. He is um, very big on American Horror Story, which I've never seen. That's his name is maybe Evan Peters, and he has a great face, and I love him. He's so pretty. He was um, in a movie that came out last year called American Animals that I think is in my top 10 movies from last year. Um, he, so yes, I love him too. And um, while you're looking at your phone, I'm going to say a little bit more about this. Yes. But so, I remember seeing that. And then I remember it also happening in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Kenny explaining to me there's like a rights thing there is and i'll explain it as i understand it the avengers movies they come out from marvel studios owned by disney the x-men movies they come out from fox which right used to be two separate things uh Uh, and uh so at the same time as joss whedon is making avengers 2 uh-huh um he who shall not be named uh-huh. uh, is uh, making uh, X Men: Days of Future Past, a, which is one of my favorite titles, and, and it's right from the comics. Yes. So, so is Civil War. The titles uh-huh. that I like, they're taken right from the comics. Yeah. You're adapting a story arc from the comics. Name it after the story arc. Mm-hmm. Days of Future Past, great, great title. Uh, a movie that I really loved when it came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Evan Peters is cast to play Quicksilver yes. in Days of Future Past. Yes. It makes sense why Fox would have the rights to this character because anyone who knows the character knows that he's a mutant. That's why he can move super fast. And mm-hmm. he is Magneto's son. Yes. And his sister is Scarlet Witch, who is Magneto's daughter. Yes. But... Little did I know that before someone at Marvel Comics decided that these characters were mutants and the Uh children of Magneto, 
Yes. They first appeared in Avengers comics. That's so interesting. Okay. And apparently, Joss Whedon loved these characters. Uh Uh-huh. Enough that he was like, this is who I'm introducing as the new characters in the Avengers sequel. X-Men, you know, Mutant and Fox be damned. Uh They were originally Avengers characters. We've got the rights to Avengers characters. Right. And both movies go forward with their version of Quicksilver. Yes. Quicksilver. Quicksilver in Age of Ultron is uh, killed. Immediately. No, no, not until the end. It's a, supposed to be a very okay. emotional beat. But yes, in the no, grand but I scheme mean, of like, things, does yes, not make it he's, through he's, the movie, right? Yes, immediately in the sense of he won't appear in any other movies. Yes, in the future. Yes, the Quicksilver. I say the Quicksilver scene because Quicksilver in Days of Future Past basically he he has two scenes. Yes, the scene where he's introduced. And the scene where he does what he has to do. Yes. The scene where he does what he has to do is the most memorable part of that movie. It's so beautiful. It's It's like so pretty. It's It's like funny. It's genius. Yes. And relatively speaking, Quicksilver in Age of Ultron is totally forgettable and boring and who cares? Yeah, I'm like Russian or whatever. I don't I don't okay. You aren't they so. like aren't they like Eastern European? Aren't yeah, they like oh so. we are brother and sister. Uh, sure. We are evil now. Yes, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. I <laughs> I've I've forgotten, but yes, you're right. And then later Elizabeth Olsen's like, I guess this is my voice now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because Elizabeth Olsen sticks around as Scarlet Witch. So yes. whereas Scarlet Witch in those X Men movies was just like, oh, there's a little girl in Quicksilver's house. That must be his little sister. Yes. So that must be Scarlet Witch, but never does anything. In the Avengers movies, uh, and, and, and in those X-Men movies, Quicksilver sticks around. He's in, this, he's in X-Men Apocalypse. He has a bigger part. Mm-hmm. In these Avengers movies, Quicksilver dies, so that he, he, we won't see more of him, and Scarlet Witch sticks around, and she becomes more of a major character. She's like in the new cast of Avengers, basically. Yeah. Because the way that Joss Whedon frames the narrative of this sequel is, oh boy, I got to come back and make a sequel to that hugely successful thing I did. Mm-hmm. Where in the first one, it's like, okay, obviously, like the narrative is like, you got to take these disparate forces and you got to make them band together. And the arc is that they learn to work together and they become a team. So, mm-hmm. like, now it's a sequel. There's already a team. So, like, what story is there to tell? According to Joss Whedon, the only story that could be told with those characters now that they're already a team is the team breaks up. Yeah. So by the end, you know, they are going their separate ways and Captain America is training a new group of Avengers. Yeah. I think you could have done something more interesting, but fine. Also, what's not interesting about it is in the third act, um... They're in a city. It's not New York, but it's a city. It's a made-up city. And they're fighting tons and tons of the same robot. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first one, in the third act, they were in New York City and they were t- fighting tons and tons of the same alien. Yeah. So uh, it looks a little bit like sequelitis. There's, uh-huh. you know, uh, okay, not 
too interesting. But some good stuff comes out of it. James Spader is cool as Ultron. Not saying that he's cool, like he's a cool guy, but like he's cool for the part. Yeah. Ultron looks kind of weird and I wish that he looked different, but okay, fine. Um, and we get vision out of this movie and it's, I'm very happy that it's important that we get vision out of yes. that movie. Yes. And we get Scarlet Witch and that's fine too. Uh, and, and we get both of them and guess what? They get together. It's pretty nice. I'm, yeah. I'm happy that they actually included that in a future movie that we won't talk about. We got to talk about Ant-Man. Ant-Man. We're, it's almost, we're, we're running up against the end, what should be the end of the podcast, but Who's, who can Who plays Ant-Man? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul who, Rudd is the one that Kenny likes. I just who I just learned is currently fifty years old. Yes, I know. <laughs> what are you talking about? I saw somebody tweet. Yeah, saw somebody tweet something like, "Y'all been freaking out about the fact that Paul Rudd looks thirty five when he's fifty, but none of y'all bringing up the fact that Paul Rudd looked thirty five when he was twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. He's always looked the same. And it freaks me out that one of these Avengers guys is 50. And he yeah. wasn't even like the first one. You know, Ryan he's Reynolds like, oh. is the one that Kenny doesn't like. He's a later edition and he's 50. I get Paul old. Rudd and Ryan Reynolds confused. He really doesn't like Ryan Reynolds, but he loves Paul Rudd. So it's, I, like, I have to, I, I, like I have both. to always figure this out every time. I used to get Ryan Reynolds confused with Ryan Gosling. Now I think I can get them straight. Yeah, one is dark hair. Uh, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I said before that uh, Natalie Portman was rebuked mm-hmm. and left behind. Mm-hmm. And this franchise and Marvel Studios, they kind of pick up these people and sort of leave a trail of bodies mm-hmm. in their wake sometimes. People get hired. People get fired. One of the people who was hired, and this is, in my opinion, the great tragedy of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mm -hmm. hired to write and direct Mm Ant-Man was my favorite director, Edgar Wright. Oh, okay. He did not make it to production of the film. Oh. Uh he left or they fired him or they couldn't agree. They couldn't work together. They had to find a different director. The director that they found was Peyton Reed. Uh-huh. But, uh, and, and uh, the, the script um, was uh, rewritten, but, you know, some stuff that Edgar Wright wrote definitely made it into the movie. Okay. So there's some Edgar Wrighty sort of comedy to Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. But it is not directed by Edgar Wright, which is important because if you've seen any of Edgar Wright's movies, you know, like, you would instantly recognize something directed by Edgar Wright mm-hmm. um, based on the way that he uh, cuts uh, shots together and syncs them up to uh, audio, such as music. Mm-hmm. So, um, my, so this is, so like I said on Letterboxd, I've reviewed, quote unquote, reviewed all of these movies on Letterboxd. Mm -hmm. And as I said in my review, my review of this movie is it was not directed by Edgar Wright. Yeah. Full stop. Okay. I, I do remember reading that because I read, I don't know if, if I've told you this, I read all of those that you, every time you post one of those, I read it. Thank you. 
And, um, I, uh, I remember that and thinking, okay, I don't get this. <laughs> yeah. It could have, would have, should have been directed by Edgar Wright. It wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, it's a fine movie for what it is. Yeah. I, I like the addition of this character to the universe and the other characters were introduced to as well, the supporting mm-hmm. characters. But unfortunately, it was not directed at by Edgar Wright. So um, it will always be a uh, uh, hole in, uh, in, in my heart. The one that got away. That's exactly right. So um, I have one th- way that I want to wrap this up. Okay. There's a, an Easter egg running through all of the movies that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you haven't seen all of them, but maybe you're aware nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Are, are you aware of the uh, dismemberment that, uh, you, that all of these movies have in common? No. In every one of these movies, and also this continues to be true going into phase three, but it's more important to phase two. Mm-hmm. In every one of these movies, someone loses a hand or an arm. Oh. Somebody gets chopped. Why? At the wrist or the elbow Whose or the shoulder. idea was this? So I don't know exactly how this came together, but I think it just, <laughs> I think it just started as a coincidence. Uh-huh. And then I think once the producers saw that it had happened twice, uh-huh. they were like, Let's keep this going. Uh-huh. And their reason, quote unquote, beyond just like, oh, this, th- what a, f- you know, fun thing, f- you know, to look for. Mm-hmm. Their reason was, this is phase two. In Star Wars terms, this is their Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> the Star Wars <laughs> film in which... Luke Skywalker's hand is chopped off. Yes, it is. So in a kind of retconned, kind of intentional tribute to Star Wars, specifically That's The Empire Strikes Back. makes me really happy. In um, Iron Man 3, I think the villain in the final confrontation gets his arm chopped off. In Thor The Dark World, um, you see Thor's hand get cut off, but then it turns out to be a Loki trick. Mm-hmm. In Captain America, the Winter Soldier, um, I'm not going to remember all of these. I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> I mean, Bucky, famously, famously, uh-huh. B- Bucky has a mechanical arm, right? Bucky, okay. Bucky yes. only has one real arm and he has one uh-huh. mechanical arm. Um, uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Nebula uh, chops off her own hand to escape uh, from right. a situation. Yes. Uh, in Avengers Age of Ultron, it's the best one of all. Uh, Ultron just kind of casually sort of accidentally rips off the arm of Ulysses Claw, played by Andy Serkis in a rare, <laughs> you can actually see Andy Serkis' face, face, Andy Serkis role. Uh-uh. And uh, Andy Serkis would reprise that role in Black Panther, in which he has a mechanical arm because we saw his arm get ripped off. <laughs> That's the best that like that's to me Ulysses Claw is is one of the best examples of like 
what makes these, you know, the continuity that uh-huh. tickles me that makes these movies so special to me. Yeah. Is that they are populated by a bunch of not even secondary characters, but tertiary characters. Yeah. <laughs> who they just remember and bring back and what you saw happen to them has consequences. Yes. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Ant-Man, it's, it must be totally forgettable. I'm forgetting what it's probably the villain. It's probably just like Iron Man three, just like in the final battle, like something happens to the villain's hand Mm -hmm. and Ant-Man kind of has that generic villainy problem to it. You know, Mm -hmm. who remembers like what yellow jacket was like, but, uh, you know, it's an origin story for Ant-Man. So that's more important. And also uh, his relationship with his daughter, which is very nice. Mm. I like that part of the movie. Um, Any final thoughts or questions before we say goodbye? I have two thoughts. Mm -hmm. Thought one. I wanted to tell you that after our first episode came out, I had, or I take this back. The first episode hadn't come out, but I was telling it to our, to our friend. I was telling our friend Mike about it. And, um. Is this Coakley or Jones? Coakley. Okay, and, and by uh, the way, I think you I think you never said happy birthday to Mike Jones before. Oh, happy birthday, Mike Jones. Today's your birthday. This is going to come out not on your birthday, but happy birthday. Um, happy birthday was, when we're saying it. Happy belated birthday when you're hearing it. When you're hearing it, assuming you listen this far. Um, Mike Coakley, when I told him, he was like, that's amazing. I've seen every movie. I've made Hannah, his fiance, see every movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, I'll definitely listen to that one. Okay, so that's the first, that's not the first thing. That's the first half of the first thing. The second half is that another dear friend of ours and devoted listener, my friend Aram, Aram was like, yeah, after I listened to your pod, she's listened to every episode. She's like, yeah, after, after I listened to your Marvel podcast, I, I looked it up and yeah, I've seen all of these movies, like, <laughs> which I only bring up because, you know, Coakley on the one hand was like, I've seen every movie. I know everything yeah. about them. This is amazing. Very I think I could go. I think he said I could go head to head with Will. Like he sure. was like there. Mm-hmm. Aram, on the other hand, who also loves these movies, was like, how many of these have I seen? And then had seen all of them mm-hmm. and has, I think, still seen. She's already seen Captain Marvel as far as I think she right. said. So like she has seen all of them, I think has seen most of them in theaters. Um which I just bring up because I don't think she thinks of it the same way that you or Coakley right. does. And yet she is just as on top of it. Yeah. As she's on top else. of it just because she enjoys going to see these movies. Yes. And this type of movie. So the second thing, which is a question for you is why does phase two end with Ant-Man? That's a good question. I don't. Uh, is that just what Marvel has said? Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. So like where each phase begins and ends is not just like a fan thing that mm-hmm. like, w- you know, viewers of the movies came up with like, like Marvel Studios has like officially like they like they are the authority on like they say like once Avengers was over, they were like, that was phase one. Here comes phase two. Yeah. Another six movies and it ends with Ant-Man. And then phase three is going to kick off with the third Captain America movie. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and in the next episode, when we talk about phase three, I want to get into the next Marvel episode, not the next, next week. The next episode of this <laughs> Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that I host. <laughs> I want I want to talk about how they presented phase three. Uh-huh. Probably, I think, at Comic-Con or some or D23 or one of those things. Mm-hmm. 
to uh, the fans and how it changed. Okay. After they presented what was coming. And and I think that this is a good transitional note. So phase one, six movies. Yep. Phase two, six movies, three years. Phase three is going to be a three hour episode of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but phase three is ten movies. Ten movies. Yep. Okay. It goes off the rails in what I think is mostly a good way, but not entirely a good way. Okay. Like I said about Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like once they took the risk on Guardians of the Galaxy and it paid off for them, it's like, okay, they got free reign to explore any corner of this universe that they please. Mm-hmm. And so uh, from going from phase two to phase three, it explodes a little more than usual by growing from six to ten films. Anything else, Liz? That's it. Great. Thank you for indulging me. Join us next week when uh, Liz will take over and uh, we won't talk about these movies. No, but we will sure talk about my favorite subject. Baby. Children. (laughs) I love you, Will. Talk to you next week. I love you too, Liz. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one. And his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.